It's great to, thank you for saying that. Uh, it's great to be with you. I hope you are simply having a wonderful Christmas time as we get started. Anyone? No? All right. So Christmas music, you hear a lot of Christmas music. How many of you tomorrow, December 25th, is that's the last day in your house where Christmas music is going to be played for a while. How many of you, you're ready to be done? Everyone who's sitting around you is going, how dare you? But yes, yeah, some of you. How many of you, you're like, no, I'm just getting warmed up. Christmas music. Oh, okay, we, got, we, we have some of that, some of you. I, I'm kind of one of those. I feel like I'm okay through New Year's Day, especially if it's cold. But then I'm in San Diego. January 2nd, I'm ready for spring. Anyone with me? Like, I, I love holidays. I love the cold weather until January 2nd. Then I'm over it. It's time. I want to walk to the waves with warm sand, not cold sand. And, and so, uh, you know, but one more week of winter, that's fine. I'm good with that. So, but it's great to be with you. I, I love this time of year, and I actually really like Christmas songs and Christmas music and the movies, and I love seeing Christmas lights on all the houses and things draped uh, everywhere. And the reason I do is because every year when I see it, it makes me think that something so significant happened 2,000 years ago that we still see the shockwaves of it today. Whether you believe and, and people all believe what happened, you can't deny that we are feeling the effects of what happened 2,000 years ago on that very first Christmas day on December 25th, year zero, or roughly somewhere in there. That something happened and we still feel it. And so when I drive down the streets and see the lights hanging, on the, uh, hanging from houses, it reminds me that, wow, this must have been a major event. And, and, and it wasn't just for us today, but the very first Christmas, they felt the shockwaves of it as well. We, we read the story in scripture, and it says that Herod, who was king at the time, was deeply troubled in all of Jerusalem with him when they heard the news of the birth of Jesus. They felt the shockwaves of it. We see that the shepherds in the field, they rejoiced when they heard that they would be welcomed in to this new kingdom. We have Mary and Joseph, key figures in the story. We're told that they took all the things they heard to heart. At one point, they were taken aback when they heard what was said about their son who was born. The angels proclaimed on that day, and they said, there's good news for all people because of the Savior who was born today. So we feel it today, and they felt it then, the shockwaves of it all. And so as we think through this idea of Christmas tonight, we want to kind of think through what does it really mean that Jesus came? Jesus as the light of the world. You know, in the book of John in chapter 1, the author starts off and he says, he describes Jesus as the word, meaning it's this Greek word logos, which, which means to, where we get our word lo logic from. But it means the one who brought order to the world. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God, and he was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Meaning, referring to Jesus. He's the eternal son. He's been there. And he created, said all things that have been created came into being through him. And then by verse 4, it says this, In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light to all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want you to hang on to that for just a moment. 
In Jesus, he's the light, and in him was life, and his life was light, and it's a light that the darkness could not overcome. So as we celebrate Christmas, even as you see the lights on your trees and the lights on the houses, all of that began in a tradition of remembering the light of Jesus, the light of the world. And as we think of that, I want to just ponder just two things tonight. What does it mean that the light of the world gives us life, that the life of Jesus gives us light? And there's two areas where I think the light shines. The first is this. He shines in the, the light in our personal darkness. And the second one is, the light is not just personal, but it's global. It's something that's happening outside of us as well. And I wanted to start with the first one. The personal. The light of Jesus is personal. So Christmas, the story of it, is a very personal story. That Jesus it, it sees the world and the world that was in chaos. It's a world very much like, our, like ours today. And as he entered in, he saw the mess and decided to be with us and enter into the mess, very personal way. But he came also to deal with the darkness in our lives. Now when I say there's darkness in our lives, I'm not saying that you are an evil person and that everybody's evil, but the way authors in scripture talk about it, they say apart from the life that we're created to live, which is this connection with, we're made in the image of God, apart from him, that there's a darkness, there's a void in our lives. That given our own, left to our own devices, we will turn inward and we end up starting to think about what is best for us. What is best for me? How can I get what I want? How do I succeed? How does my family get what they want? And we become a little bit self-focused. Even scientists will tell you who do not believe in God would say, you know, it's natural that we have evolved this way because we need to survive. So you turn inward to say, how do I take care of myself? That's very opposite of the life that we see in Scripture. See, throughout Scripture, we're described that there is a God who we're made in His image who actually calls us and to live selflessly, to care for the other, to love one another, to sacrifice, to not always look to get what you want at the expense of those around you. And so it's described that there is this darkness, there's something missing. Even philosophers have tried to figure it out for thousands of years. They've tried to describe the meaning of life and the purpose of humans and how we exist. I love how the uh, French philosopher Blaise Pascal said that as you think of where we're looking for purpose, he said that we all have this God-shaped hole in our lives. That apart from God, we are looking for purpose and meaning, but there's, you're always going to find that something's just a little off. Something is missing. And that's how the authors, the writers in scripture describe it, that that is the life of Jesus that becomes light in your personal darkness. I was thinking uh, about my very first Christmas, and my wife and I, uh, we had this little one-bedroom apartment in Fullerton, California. Uh, we were fresh out of college, not making much money, and uh, we didn't even have enough money for a Christmas tree. So we had to decide our first Christmas, do we eat for three days or get a tree? It was, it was just kind of one of those, and some of you have been there. And, and I love those memories. I love it as part of it. But I, we were looking back at our memory book the other day, and it saw on the 23rd of December, my wife was working, and I had a couple of students over. I was working with junior high students at the time. And a couple of junior high students were hanging out with me for the day. Um, my wife was at work, and I guess I was at work too. I was playing video games with them, some Madden um, football. And it's like, I'm at work, honey, sorry. So, but when the, the dad dropped off these two kids, and he saw that we didn't have any, a Christmas tree, 
He left, and when he came to pick up his boys, I saw this tree walk, not a tree walking by, but someone walking by with a tree in front of our window. He knocked on the door, and it was the father, and he said, hey, I wanted to bring you a Christmas tree, but it's the night of the 23rd. There's no tree lots open, so I got the only one that I could reach when I reached over the fence, <laughs> and I stole this Christmas tree for you, to which he said, see, God provides. You have a need, and it's, it's there. True story, and the tree was about this tall, and the tree looked seriously like a Charlie Brown tree. It was dead, and it was scrawny, and for us, it was beautiful. It was amazing, and I found some stuff around the house to decorate it, and I realized that Christmas, you know, it was our first Christmas living away from family uh, in a different state, new marriage, and we felt like there's just something a little bit off, something missing, and that simple gesture of that tree for us felt like something was more complete. Now, I'm not saying a Christmas tree will complete your Christmas. If you are a non-Christmas tree family, that's okay. But for us, what it represented was something was missing. And I believe that for many of us, we don't know what's missing in our lives, but when you encounter the light of the world, you encounter Jesus, you can say, that's what I've been missing all along. Completes the puzzle in your personal darkness. And Christmas isn't about you going out and searching for God, searching for the light. The pastor Stephen Furtick once said it this way, Christmas isn't about you finding God, it's about the fact that God has found you. And his presence is more powerful when it becomes personal. And so today I just want to encourage you, would you during this Christmas season consider the personal nature of the light of the world, of Jesus? The personal nature that God wants to know you, wants to forgive you, wants to give you life more than just a couple times of the year. He wants to walk with you through your life. And those who have been walking with Jesus can describe it. It makes sense. So today I want to challenge you. If you've never experienced the light of Jesus in your life, would you at least consider the fact that if this story of Christmas is real, that this is a God worth inviting into your life? So the first thing is the light of the world, the life of Jesus is personal. The second thing is this, is it's global. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus didn't come just to save you from something. He didn't just come to, to grab a group of people that now are forgiven and then say, okay, you're good, live any way you want, you're done. He saved us for something. He invited us into something. In John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, that the light, the true light Gives light, that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. But he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Meaning Jesus came, the, his life who gives light to us came for something more. He's inviting you in to a new kind of family. To live a new kind of way. The light of Jesus said this, that I am the light of the world. And he also said, and those who follow me, you are the light of the world. That you now are part of reflecting and being that light to the world around you. As we look at our Advent candles, we've been lighting them each week, and each week represents something different. The first one was hope. Think of the light of the world through those who believe in Jesus, that we are intended to be people of hope. 
You know, we live in a world now where sometimes it feels like there's not a lot to hope in. Would you agree? As we look, we have wars. There's a war in Ukraine, a war in Israel, a war in Sudan, a war in Syria that continues to go on. There's things we don't even talk about that are happening in the world. Human trafficking is at all-time high. People abusing and taking other people for their own uh, pleasure, that's at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. Um, drug overdoses in our country. All of these things can cause us to think there's no hope in this world. Yet those who are called into this new kind of family of God are called to be people of hope. We're to have some other way of living that gives hope that's beyond this world. Now, that doesn't mean we have this blind optimism that is naive to what's going on in the world. But what it is is in the midst of the trials that we know that there's something more. Uh, some of you, uh, an example I think of is watching sports. I love watching sports. I'll kind of watch any sports. I love it. Um, I can be not the most optimistic sports fan, though. I just have to admit it. If you watch sports with me, you just have to ignore me because I'm going to say, oh, great. That, you know, it'll be like the first play of the game and go, I knew it. We're done. <laughs> and, 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 and so I can be very negative, but, but it's, it's rooted in knowledge, deep knowledge. So anyway, my, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, my wife and I had the, uh, the privilege of going to the Pac-12 football championship game to watch our alma mater play. We both went to University of Washington, and so we got to watch them win the Pac-12 championship and, um, and on their way to the national championship in a couple weeks. And so anyway, no one? Okay. But that was one of the first games that I was actually optimistic about of the whole season. And I went into the game, and I thought, well, I was very positive of two things. One, if, if we're either going to get blown out and it's going to be a bad game, or if it's close, we'll win. That's how I was positive we would either win or lose. So I went in, and, and, but, I, but I actually felt pretty good about this one. I felt good, but we sat down, and then we sat down to two other Husky fans who were the sports optimists of the universe. You ever, any of you like that? It's like every, everything's always going to be okay. This is our year. We got this. We're going to win. You might be like that. There's people like that. People who always think it's going to be okay. You know, Padres fans. So anyway, so. <laughs> and there's just this optimism that is thinking, it's, we're, we're okay. But I was sitting by these guys, and it changed the whole experience. Because every first down, he like looks at me, and he had these different high fives and weird little handshakes. And even my wife is going, who is him? I'm like, just, just keep going, whatever. He wants to. By the end of the game, we're like hugging and getting selfies. And like, this guy's great. So. But it was the optimism, the hope that he exuded, rubbed off on us. Now, sports is obviously a superficial example. But it's amazing how people of hope can make a difference in a world that's just living in despair. Jesus comes to encourage his people to be people of hope. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, The word, again, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen God walking out this life on earth, so he's demonstrated to us what the life looks like. So the first candle was hope. The next one was peace. The light of the world calls us to be people of peace. Now, some of you, you're not really people of peace. You're, I would say the opposite. Would maybe be people of conflict? 
You have family gatherings coming up between today and tomorrow, right? In the next couple of weeks, you'll be with family. Are any of you, do you have that family member who no matter what you say, they're going to argue about it? They're going to bring some conflict. Is anyone in here, are you that person? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you, am I that person? No, don't, don't, don't. No argument yet. Some of you just naturally gravitate towards conflict. It's in the way you interact with each other. It's in the way you drive. It's in the way you... All of the things. But the life of Jesus, the light, a life of Him, the light of the world, is actually we should be moving towards peace. People who lean in towards reconciliation, re- lean in with forgiveness. That's what the life of Jesus that becomes light to us does. The next of the candles that we lit was the candle of joy. Now, this doesn't mean that you're joyful no matter, that, that you just laugh at everything and nothing's a big deal. No, this world is difficult. You will face trials. You will face hardships. You will go through things that are just feel like they're just crippling in your life. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have many troubles. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And so when we talk about being people of joy, it means there's a deep-seated joy that we have a Savior who's given us hope beyond this life, that there is a joy that is good news for all the people, that even in the midst of your hardship and even in the midst of the pain and even in the midst of the most darkest things you go through, that we have confidence that there's a God who cares and goes through it with you. We're people of joy. The last one was people that we lit was the candle of love. And, and, and we even looked at this last week and said, instead of love, the opposite of that is often fear. It's afraid to love, afraid to give of yourself, afraid to be the first to forgive, afraid to be the one who's willing to sacrifice for another. But the life of Jesus becomes the light in our world as all of a sudden we're freed up to be people of love. And my guess is, you won't have a lot of people outside who don't know you, who will understand what it means to have true love, to truly care for someone who you don't understand or you don't know. It might not always be reciprocated. It wasn't for Jesus. But the very fact that God came to be with us, to demonstrate this life that we're intended to live, he knew already that his followers were going to be walking. He actually said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Thank you, Jesus. He said, but I call you to a new kind of world, a new kind of living. I call you to a life of love in a world of fear and hate and despair. So as we think of the, light of, wor- of the light of the world who's come to us, the challenge for us this year is how will we respond? For some of you, the response needs to be personal. It needs to be you have to come to faith, to grips with this message of Jesus and decide, will you receive the light that he has promised to you? Now, some of you, you've received it, but you don't think much about Jesus throughout the year. I want to give you that challenge. Maybe for you the first time tonight, you say, I want to follow this Jesus, the God who came down to be with us. For others of you, say, I already believe, but your life, you kind of wander away. You're not necessarily walking in light of the light of Jesus throughout your year, I want to give you that challenge. Would you make 2024 a different kind of year? Would you allow the light of Jesus to affect you 
and to change you and transform you to live in new ways. The other challenge for you, for all of us then, would be can we be people of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love, and shine the light. The author Edith Warden said this, that to be the light, we either are the light or we're a mirror that reflects it. I think in, Christ, in the Christian life that it's a little of each. That we shine the light, but it's the light of Jesus shining through us, or we're a reflection of the light of Jesus as we live as he lived. And so what we're going to do here in, in a moment is we're going to have our, our candle lighting time. And as we light our candles, this will be symbolic of the light that spreads from one person to the other. It's a light that happens when we choose to not just have it personal, but we allow it to go beyond us. And so we look at these candles here tonight. I want you to notice something about the light. I want you to notice that darkness actually can never overcome light. That there's no amount of darkness that's so dark that a, the tiniest light can't be seen, that can't be experienced. Because the darkness is actually the absence of light. And so when we think of the light of Jesus, we're thinking of the presence of light in our world and in you and in me. In a moment, you'll see some of the band will make their way up as we begin to light these candles. And in a moment, when we sing the song and start lighting the candles, you'll see how the light will spread across the room. And as we light those, I want you to consider that today. Just like that first Christmas, disturbed all of Jerusalem and we feel the effects till this, to this day. This light that spreads throughout this room is a reminder that this light of Jesus cannot be stopped. There's another cool thing about a candle light. Thomas Jefferson said this, that for a candle to give its light to another, it gives up nothing of itself. So as you light, I'll light your candle and we pass around the flame, it takes nothing away from you to light a candle of another around you. And so it is with Christ. As you spread the light of Christ in your life to the world around you, it actually doesn't take from you. It just spreads. So in just a moment, I'll hand the light to the front row and we'll pass it around. And I do have to make a public service announcement. Be aware of the hair in front of you. <laughs> Please do your best not to pour out the wax and make cool designs on our chairs. <laughs> we know that's a Christmas Eve tradition at every church, but we do our best to avoid that. <laughs> but as we spread the light and sing the song, would you just stop for a moment and consider how profound this must be that we're still celebrating this 2,000 years later. The darkness has not won, and it won't. So I want to invite you, would you stand with me? And I'll light the candles in the front row as we sing and pass it to the people around you and behind you. So let's sing this song. Awesome. 